We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? You know what, Nick? I was preparing a Google Doc, you know, because I'm thinking we'd be recording earlier this week and we we're going to be chatting a bit about Royce O'Neill and a bit about Kyrie Irving, the fact that the Nets social media is posting him like crazy. And then Kevin Durant goes to a Travis Scott concert in London and things change <laughs> forever. Thank you to my girlfriend for alerting me to that, by the way, as well, because uh, that I had no idea what was going on with Kevin Durant because what happened behind the scenes in London is what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, obviously, some big news on the Kevin Durant front. Steve Nash, Sean Marks, Joe Sy. We're going to talk about that all. But before we jump into a quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do we start with this? Well, Kevin Durant basically has gone to Joe Sy. He's had his meeting in London, and he said, it's either sh- it's either me, it's Sean Marks, and Kevin Durant. It's, sh- ah, it's Sean Marks and Steve Nash or me. It's so nonsensical, Nick. It makes no sense to me that I can't even get the words out of my mouth because – I don't under I I love this from KD personally because it's just he's being forthright. You know, we sort yep. of tried to put piece things together and say, well, what's going on with KD here? Why has he actually demanded this trade request? Now it's just like, okay, these two guys are the reasons why I don't want to be here. And if they're still going to be here, then I'm not going to be in Brooklyn. And I think that's fair enough. We've had plenty of our criticisms of of Steven and Kiwi Sean as well along the way. And we saw Josiah's response at Kevin and you know, obviously the report came from Shams got nothing from Woj yet. I'm sure that will come soon when Sean Marks and Josiah finished, you know, editing and reviewing the Google doc for, uh, for, for Adrian Wojnarowski himself. But in saying that, Nick, what were your immediate thoughts upon this bombshell from Kevin Durant? Yeah, I think it was a little surprising in the sense of it came out publicly, like the actual demands about why he wanted to trade. You know, you and I have heard different things, even going back and listening to the podcast we dropped on June 30th, you know, over a month ago, we kind of talked about KD's dissatisfaction with the front office and different moves he he wanted them to make, be it a Jeremy Grant, be it a Cam Reddish, be it adding a wing before the postseason started. And we also heard some of the rumblings about him being unhappy with Steve Nash, even, you know, such simple things such is like starting Andre Drummond that entire series. Like, I think there was clues along the way in terms of why KD was unhappy. We also have heard that, you know, Steve, he wanted Steve Nash gone. And the fact that Marks and Cy wouldn't do that, I think, continued to create more tension for him. And 
less trust for the front office. And then obviously the whole Kyrie Irving situation and them playing hardball. And also, you know, some of the statements they made during that time, be it, you know, Sean, uh, Joe Sy would rather lose KD and Kyrie than go through last season. That's something that's consistently sticking in my head in terms of looking at this situation. And you and I, I think over the last month, have really talked about how a lot of this has kind of felt, you know, Joe side driven. So his, his tweet out there and his response to the report is not surprising. And obviously, you know, paraphrasing his his tweet was essentially I've got, that, I've got it. I've, oh, I've got, got it, it, Nick. The the tweet right in front of me so the listeners can have as much information as they can and make their own decision and their own opinions because ultimately that's what we do on this podcast. Joe Sai, as of basically 35 minutes ago, you know, we were going to record today. getting it out before we recorded. Uh, look, and I think a couple of people on our Twitter timeline were appreciative of that as well. He said this, Our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Both of those things don't align, Nicholas. Now, let me yeah. put it this way. <laughs> Our front officers and coaching staff have my support. Support. All right, good for you, Joseph. We'll make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. That doesn't make sense. The best decision in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets is keeping one of the 10 best players ever and following your so-called religion of winning. Because if you have Jalen Brown and Ben Simmons in a collection of pieces, if you have Pascal Siakam, if you have Tyler Hero, because those are the three teams that we'll discuss probably a little bit later in, in some detail, probably a little bit later in the league, we'll dive a bit deeper into that. But it makes no freaking sense, Nick. It makes no sense. Nonsense makes no sense. And Joe Sy is making no sense. It's nonsense, Nick. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'll stick with that. I'll stick with that. Uh, I like it. I like it. And I think it's just like looking at it from just a simple perspective of like, who should Joe Sy and the Nets choose in this situation? Steve Nash and Sean Marks are very replaceable. Neither guy is the most elite in their field. You know, Steve Nash is a below average coach. Sean Marks, I think you could say, is average. Some people might say above average has done good things with quote unquote rebuilding teams, but is yet to really have success with a championship team or a contending team. So those guys can be replaced. The guy that cannot be replaced, at least with what the Nets have is Kevin Durant. And like you said, Jack, you know, this is a guy who all time top 10, top 15, but also currently a top five player in this league. And as we know, to win a championship in this league, you need one of those guys, be it KD, be it Steph Curry, be it Giannis Antetokounmpo, be it, you know, Joel Embiid, be it LeBron James. You know, one of those guys has to essentially be on your roster or even like a Jason Tatum to have a chance to win a chip. And what this is going to do is just push the Nets further away from a championship, at least for, you know, the foreseeable future, given their situation, the assets they do have in this team, given all those picks and pick swaps are going to Houston. And the and exactly, you've made that point very, very clearly over the podcast, and I think a lot of people discount that in a, in a lot of respects. It's also the fact that Nick, if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you know, obviously Kyrie Irving's probably going to be here this year, but beyond that, if they go, what are the chances of Brooklyn ever acquiring yeah. talents like that ever again? Because it happens once in a blue moon. It's like getting Zion in the draft. It's like getting that number one pick in a year that matters like no other. It's like getting LeBron James in a draft. It's like getting Kevin Durant at pick two and you're lucky in, in Seattle. That's And are the Nets ever going to be that bad? Because if with a Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons team, they're going to be okay enough. They'll be middling playoff sort of team. So if you're not the worst, if you're not OKC Orlando Magic and you get a Paolo Benchero, Chet Holmgren, or these sort of guys, yes, Ben Simmons was a former number one pick, but I, do, I think his ceiling is 
third team All NBA. Jalen Brown, similar ceiling. You need a first team All NBA player or an MVP caliber player, as you alluded to. Jason Tatum, Stephen Curry. All these sort of players, Giannis Antetokounmpo, those are the ones that win you championships. Kevin Durant wins you championships. Joe Sy is a, sell the goddamn team. Sell like buy a team in China or Taiwan or whichever country you have, supposedly have allegiances to. I just don't understand Nick because it's. It, it, I'm really struggling to comprehend this because I, while I understand that. There has been there's blame to be put forth on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Joe Sysho, Marks, Steve Nash on all parties, and this isn't all. Kevin Durant isn't blameless through this entire thing. We did hear Sham say that that it was a, you know a pretty transparent and honest conversation between Kevin Durant and, and Joe Sysho. Professional, professional. What's unprofessional is a guy going on his personal timeline and tweeting out this sort of thing, but after having a private meeting with Kevin Durant. So if you're like still team Joe size Sean Marks or whatever, I, I want to hear the reasoning because if you want to have an organization that where you're, you're standing ownership and coaches, that's just not me. And I get that. Like I've been called a Kevin Durant stand, the Kyrie Irving stand, but I'd rather be a player stand because players win the championships owners in like the Golden State Warriors case do to an extent because they're willing to pay and go beyond. And Joe side has done that in some respects, but at the same time, Nick, in this specific situation, it is a make-or-break scenario for the Brooklyn Nets franchise now and for the long, short, and long-term future. This is going to define the Brooklyn Nets in a way we haven't seen since the Billy King, Kevin Durant, <laughs> Kevin Carnett, sorry, and Paul Pierce straight. It is going to be as historically awful if we lose Kevin Durant. That's just my opinion. Now, I might be in the heat of the moment, but that's the part of the podcasting where I, 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 tend, to, I tend to be a prisoner of. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely plausible. I mean, again, like you kind of alluded to earlier, Jack, is acquiring or drafting one of these players is extremely hard to do. The Nets were blessed in the sense of getting KD and Kyrie in that same summer. That just, that really doesn't happen. That's what a lot of teams do. They set up for that and they don't get it. Only one team ends up winning the sweepstakes and sometimes zero teams win because the guys just end up re-signing or one guy goes somewhere, one guy goes somewhere else. Like the the Heatles and what we saw last year or two years ago with the, the big three, you know, all those things are unlikely they're not they're not easy to come by so the fact that everything is just moved so fast and the nets have really nothing to show for it is very disappointing and it also feels like to a sense where the nets went all in with Kyrie and katie and james harden and then things started didn't didn't work out obviously with harden he requested a trade and the nets started almost turning turning backwards in the sense of what they were trying to do rather than just going all in with what they had in KD and Kyrie and just trying to move forward with this and when the contracts run out or maybe two years down the line you you decide to blow it up but like like we talked about it it feels like on every episode for the last month it feels like this team never really got a fair shot to run it through some of that's on ownership some of that's on the front office some of that's on Kyrie Irving players whatever it might be I feel like that's why it also has such a big blemish is like we never saw it actually hit on all cylinders we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, and a lot of people are to blame for that, Kevin Durant himself included. Yeah. And to, I, I want to tackle this sort of Steve Nash side of things, Nick, because a lot of people are sort of coming out that it's like, well, Kevin Durant chose to coach in the first place. Kevin Durant said all these good things about Steve Nash. And, you know, our guy Matt Brooks of the Clear Out podcast on the Blue White Network said this, you know, after the season. I think he's done a great job. The last few years, he's, he's done a great job. Injuries, trades, disgruntled players, he's handled the best he could. I think he's handled it all perfectly. A lot of people are using these sort of quotes against Kevin Durant. And then we actually saw reports and people in the know that we like and we follow on Nets Twitter have been pretty blatant in the fact that, no, this wasn't a Kevin Durant hire. This was a Steve, this was a Sean Marks and Joe Sy hire. And I think, obviously, Kevin Durant, his approval was sought in uh, in the decision process. That's you know not discounting that whatsoever. But to say that this is all Kevin Durant and now Kevin Durant's just sort of just changing his mind. Yeah, you can change your mind about certain things because he's realized after two years and in the offseason and in the playoffs that Steve Nash is one of the worst coaches in the NBA despite the fact that he's the third highest paid and earning $9 million a season. He's earning more than Bruce Brown, Nick. Bruce Brown, it was our third best player in the playoffs. Look, I'm going to stand Bruce Brown to yeah. the day that I die, Nicholas. And he is now in Denver, and he's going to probably help them win a championship more so than us. And Sean Marks' decision to let him go is something that I will continue to scratch my head about. But in saying that, this Kevin Durant-Steve Nash sort of connection, the, the initial hiring, his comments throughout you know, his tenure, and now the sudden sort of flip by, uh, at least it seems, that he doesn't want Steve Nash anymore and he wants a new head coach. What are your thoughts and impressions on that? Obviously, we've heard multiple things that that's not the case, and I think it's something that's actually aggravated Kevin Durant in the sense of the narrative is that, it, that that's KD's coach, where you know we've heard different things in terms of you know, that being Sean Marks' guy and them having a great relationship. We also talked about some of the business relationships between Nash Sean and Sean Marks, Scott. and for those that you know, didn't, go back to the archives if you want to listen to us uh, reacting to the initial hire. We were pretty positive about it. Sean Marks and Steve Nash, former teammates in Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. And obviously that relationship, I think, is strong. It seems like those guys communicate really well. They had to convince him, Nick. They had to convince Steve Nash yeah. to come out. And he was enjoying, and apparently they had a list of you know a, a qualified head coaches, probably including Ime Udoka, Mike D'Antoni, and the like, that could have been our Brooklyn Nets head coach. And we might not have been in this scenario in the first place. Again, I was pretty positive about the hiring in the first place, but as we stand now, it is a, a different story. So the first, it is... A, not ignorant, but it's a little bit naive to go, this is all Kevin Durant's fault. He's the guy that wanted him. And yes, he said positive things about him along the way because he's, in certain respects, Steve Nash does deserve a little bit of credit. But as a head coach and as a Brooklyn Nets head coach for this team, for Kevin Durant, for Kyrie Irving, and for our championship aspirations, Steve Nash just doesn't cut it. It's simple as that. Yeah, and I think it's important to note is you could have been okay with Steve Nash in the 2021 season or what is it? 21, yeah, 2020, 2021. Yeah. yeah. 
it, the numbers are crazy. But <laughs> you you could be okay with him then and thought he did a fine job, and then last year think that he was terrible and that he doesn't deserve the coach anymore. It's a tough business. This is not an easy job. This is a stress thing. Millions and millions of dollars. And like you alluded to, Jack, third highest paid head coach. He was far, far away from being the third best head coach. He's closer he was the to being third the third worst. Yeah, best. he's closer yeah. to being the third worst than he is, you know, to being the third best. And again, you know, like we talked about when he was hired, I thought we were definitely very optimistic, but it was always a risk. And we talked about it before is like you could have brought in a veteran head coach that had done it before, had won championships, but they went with the splash hiring that star pop and it brought, you know, extra hype to the nets and that whole, whole situation. Obviously it was semi successful in 2021, but last year it wasn't. And a lot of things you could look back to coaching and yeah, some of it was out of his hands with Kyrie and the vaccine and James Harden wanting out. But there's also obvious situations. I think late in the season playing as stars, excessive amount of minutes and also just lack of adjustments and game planning for that Boston series. There's just certain things that stick out to me and I'm not an NBA head coach. I'm not close to being one. And Steve Nash didn't do those things. And obviously it's a lot easier to say it in hindsight, but at the end of the day, it just didn't feel like he did enough or or was right in the right mindset. And also, I think it was very clear that he didn't have the trust of all the players. And that says a lot. No, definitely. Uh, it seems to me that the the locker room is not behind him in a way. And look, you know, Steve Kerr, the way he sort of dealt with Kevin Durant in his tenure, when Kevin Durant sort of, you know, shielded himself away from the team and he tried to re-engage him and sort of give him some Michael Jordan stories and that sort of thing. That's sort of what you'd want from Steve Nash. Steve Nash has a, a from what I've seen, isn't proactive in what and how he acts as a head coach. He's reactive, and yep. that's a complete opposite of what you what you are what you'd want to be. I don't care if a guy makes mistakes trying some stuff, and he does that occasionally, but he doesn't do it enough. It's sort of just like after you know the definition of insanity is repeating things over and over again and, and expecting a different result. That was a lot of the 2021-22 season for the Brooklyn Nets as with Steve Nye, Steve Nash at the helm. So Nick, I want to finish with two things because and just we're also do a the- quick, uh, quick mark too, a quick mark actually on Sean Marks because it was an issue where he also put Steve Nash in a bad situation with that roster, and I think. That's a reason that KD could also potentially be upset with him other than not making some of the acquisitions and not letting go of Steve Nash is just the roster he assembled last summer was not suitable for the current NBA. The lack of spacing was super apparent, and obviously they trusted a lot of old vets, and that didn't work out, so it's hard to be as mad about that part. But just the overall roster construction and the lack of spacing, given you know you have such ISO-heavy players you know, at the start of the season with Kyrie Harden and KD, why would you, you know, have so many non-shooters on the team and have so many limited spacing lineups? Yeah, and and, and I think that Sean Marks gets a bad rap occasionally. We I don't discount what he's done for this franchise, building it back up to even get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the first place. But during the tenure of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you know, a lot of he's it's been a a, a fail grade. You know, he's it's a D plus at best if you want to give him a grade of some sort since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been playing with the team because you know. You can make a, a pretty credible argument, you know, Jeff Green, great acquisition, yeah. you know, that season, Blake Griffin, that sort of thing. That would be a pass mark. That would be a B plus to an A. And and, and luck This offseason's been pretty good with the actual signings. Exactly. I think Royce O'Neill for a first round pick, I think, is a, yeah. a bit rich. I but, said signings. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, TJ Warren, Edmund Sumner, and you know, the re-signing Nick Claxton, Paddy Mills. I'm, look, I love having Paddy Mills in, in long term, but you know, I'm not necessarily sure that he should be getting paid more money than than Bruce Brown. But Nick, well, I want to finish with two things. One, is this ultimatum from Kevin Durant a positive thing? Because 
he could have easily gone to Shams and said, look, I reiterated my trade request. I'm leaving. I don't care. I'm sitting out training camp. I'm not going to put on a Brooklyn Nets uniform. But he's saying, look, you guys do these things, then I'll play for you. Or could it be that you know, Josiah has already said, look, he, he, Kevin might have gone to Josiah behind the scenes and said, look, we're not doing this. You know, we're, we're not satisfying your request. You know, ever since you know the offseason hit, we heard this tone of the Nets trying to arrest control and get back to some the semblance of control from the superstars, so to speak, and sort of say we want guys that want to be here. You know, this is our team. You know, we want guys to buy in, all that sort of thing. Where do you stand? That could could this actually end up being positive? But obviously, given the Joe side tweet, I think when I put this in the doc, um, we didn't have that response. But where do you stand? Could could we still see Kevin Durant? Sticking around in Brooklyn, Nick? Yeah, I think the only positive thing from this whole situation is that we're coming most likely to a conclusion, you know, that things are going to happen. Because I think what this did is it prevented run it back with, you know, Marks and Nash. It kind of created a toxic environment. You know, if KD's coming out and saying he doesn't want to work with these guys, he doesn't want to be coached by Steve Nash, you really don't want to bring him to training camp and have that toxic environment. So it hurts the Nets, I think, from a leverage perspective. And also... KD could have done this in the sense of knowing that Cy would not let go of Marks and Nash, given his relationship with them, and essentially, you know, forcing that trade to happen sooner or making sure that he is traded. Because again, those three guys, Nash, Marks, and KD, being in training camp is likely to create a toxic environment unless, you know, s- some meeting between those three happens and things work out. But that doesn't seem very likely at all. And like you said, Jack, given what Joe Cy just tweeted out early, you know, less than a half an hour ago, we we probably have seen Katie's last days in a Nets uniform, which is ultimately sad for I think people who want to see a championship in the near future. Exactly. No, I want to see Kevin Ray in a Brooklyn Nets uniform for as long as possible, Nick. I feel privileged to have seen him in a Brooklyn yep. Nets uniform for the past couple of seasons, the basketball that he's produced, and there's some fond memories and some fond game recaps and you know that postseason. If this if we have seen the last of Kevin Durant, then you know, I'm, and it's not confirmed yet, so that's why I have a, I still have a slither of hope. I still think it's more likely if we, you know, I think to finish the pod, you know, we'll, we'll chat more about, you know, the, the suit is still obviously Celtics, Raptors, and Heat. Celtics seem to be at the top of that list, given Sham Sarani reporting. But the final thing, Nick, how do you think the scenario ends? Is Kevin Durant going to be a Brooklyn Met come September, October, come training camp, come the preseason? Or are we going to be stuck standing Sean Marks and Steve Nash? Yeah, I mean... I think I lost all my optimism for this situation. So, and I, I just don't have great confidence in Josiah. And I think that he really values Sean Marks and Steve Nash, probably a little bit irrationally. And I think some of it's just due to them having a good relationship and getting along rather than them objectively being good at their job. So in my opinion, I think KD will likely end up on one of the Atlantic division teams and it not being the Nets looking like Boston or Toronto being the most likely scenario, given what we've heard. And at this point in time and how toxic everything's gotten, I almost want the Nets to pull the trigger on a Jalen Brown trade so we can just know that they've gotten something of value and a nice young star player that could potentially maybe grow into a top 15 guy. Maybe there's some hope he could be better than we expect in his own situation, because right now, the longer this lingers, the more toxic situations that arise, the less likely it is the Nets get a package they actually want for Kevin Durant. Yeah, exactly. Look, I, I shout out my girlfriend at the start. I'll shout her out here because she's a big Beyonce fan and the 2006 <laughs> song Irreplaceable. Kevin Rant's Irreplaceable. 
like you said at the start, Nick, I'm going to reiterate those points that you made. Steve Nash and Sean Marks are replaceable. They are pawns, if we want to use the word that Kyrie <laughs> Irving likes to use in the process of this, you know, th- this sort of four-year tenure with Kevin Durant signs you know, with the Brooklyn Nets as we stand. To hear you say the words that you think Kevin Durant is going to be traded, it, it, it nearly breaks my heart. Like, <laughs> Because I've become such a big Kevin Durant fan ever since he's come to Brooklyn and he's loving the vibe. You know, he's wearing the Slim Reaper t-shirts. He's wearing these hoodies. He's just low-key cool. He's just hooping like a, a goddamn mastermind coming off the Achilles injury. They're probably the best player the, other than Dominic Wilkins. What he's done, what he's done is just insane, Nick. Yep. And the fact that we this might be the last of it, it's, it's hard to hear and it's hard to process. But... You know, there's for me. I'm 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 holding on to a, I'm I'm holding on to a slither of hope. How much percent it's, hope do you have left? It's it's five, Nick. It's okay. in the single digits. That's actually what I'm thinking. It's like five to nine. Like on an optimistic day, like you know, maybe by the end of this, we hear something from uh, Woj or something from Shams or something from Mark Stein that gives me something to go into this to the double digits. But it's not all lost. That's what I will say for those that are, are still hoping there. It's not over until that trade is made. And by the time this episode is out, <laughs> something could have happened and we could be doing another emergency pod in, in the coming hours or days. So as we stand, I'm holding on to hope, Nick, but I'm not hopeful because of who's running things here in Mr. Joseph's site. Sell yeah. the goddamn team. You're, you're torturing a range of Nets fans right now. Not everyone, but the ones that care about winning, like you say you do, Joseph, we are absolutely going through hell as fans right now. And... Man, I just wish... It's even worse that it's just dragging out. And it's just worse that there's like a toxic event every couple weeks. You know, rather than just like, let's get it done with, be quiet until the trade actually happens. And that's just not the case. And I think it's just painful. And like you said, Jack, this is most likely the most talented player that'll ever play for the Brooklyn Nets. And the last remaining memory we have is the Nets being swept against the Celtics in this this postseason, this past postseason. So... It, it's rough out here. Hopefully we get some good news, but I, I'm not super optimistic on that. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And check the buzz on all stream platforms. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.